Lori Rubenstein, and I am talking tonight about being right, and we're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness, but I know that people get so caught up in this whole idea of right-wrong stuff that I want to make sure that that's not getting in the way of you actually being able to forgive. So the premise for tonight is if we put our relationships first, then we can let go of the idea of being right. So I want you to think about what it means to be wrong. You know, like how do you feel when somebody else is saying that they're right and they're making you wrong as a result of being right? We know that that feels really cruddy. And it's hard because people's egos really get in the way here. People's egos love to be right. The ego loves to speak up when we're feeling that we're right. And what it does is it makes other people wrong. It makes them feel disrespected. It makes them feel not appreciated. And there's a couple different analogies when I talk about this. One is the dishwasher analogy. And when I do relationship coaching with people, how many people have this This is the way you're supposed to do the dishwasher discussion, and they argue and they fight over how the dishwasher gets filled up. Some people have arguments like that over folding clothes. I remember going clothes shopping with my mother when I was a teenager, and, you know, she just had, like, this looks good on you and that doesn't. And for me, I had a totally different, like, this is what looks good on me, that doesn't. And I just hated, absolutely hated her forcing her opinion on me. And, of course, you know, you can say, well, that's a normal teenage thing. But the truth is we all hate when other people force their opinions on them. So, you know, I just want you to think about this. This is just a note that you can write down. You can think about it later even. Think about a time that someone tried to force their opinion on you. And, you know, you can just maybe think about a lot of different ideas about that. The problem, of course, is this whole black-white, right-wrong thinking, which in turn alienates other people. There are these ideas, for example, of if I can do this, I don't understand why you can't do it. I can see this so clearly. Why can't you see it that clearly? There's this, you know, I'm better than you, I'm smarter than you. And when other people do that to you, then it's like, oh, they're trying to make you feel dumb or feel stupid. So you can see how that really gets in the way of having good, healthy relationships. So, you know, then we go to that question of what does it mean about me if I always need to be right? And when I think I'm being right, whose truth is that really? You know, is it the truth of the law that says this is the way it is? Is it the truth of the religion or the people in charge of the religion who say this is the way it is? Is it the people in charge of the school or your boss, you know, the job that you do? I mean, who gets to be in charge of what the truth is? When I think about this, I really go to that place of, okay, this is really what causes wars, you know, that whole idea But my religion is better than yours. Mine is the truth. My God is the real God. Your God isn't as good as my God. And your God isn't the real God because the Bible says it's so. 
we see those examples. We also see examples, well, I see a lot of these examples in the world of divorce. I love this. Whenever I do mediations with people, I can guarantee you everybody comes into this saying, well, I only want to do what's fair. And everybody uses that word fair. And then when you start talking about, you know, how to do the divorce or how to divvy things up, everybody has a totally different aspect or a different view or perception of what is fair. Fair is always different. Even when you get to court or even when I do mediations with people or marriage coaching with people, everybody has a different story. Every witness sees something differently. And you could be like, that's not true. You're lying. You know, this is what happened. But after doing this for so many years, I can say that the people who say what their truth is, they really believe that that's their truth. You know, they believe in what they say, that that is the truth. So if everybody has a different perception, there really isn't necessarily a right and a wrong. So what gets in the way of people who need to be right not stepping into, can't we just be different? Can't we just be okay with, you know, having that flexibility of we're different. We just see the world differently. We are never going to see the world the same. And then there's always that idea of, well, what is the cost? What is the price that people are paying for needing to be right? You know, there's such a need. And, in fact, I'm going to talk a little bit about this idea of addiction, about being addicted to the idea of being right. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later here. But, you know, the real cost in this is always isolating others, making other people feel stupid, shameful, guilty, embarrassed. It is absolutely awful for relationships, the idea of needing to be right. So I did all this research, of course, as I always do before I'm speaking, and there are these physical issues from needing to be right that I want to talk about. And this is from an article by a woman named Judith Glazer, G-L-A-S-E-R. It was in the Harvard Business Review. She said, in the place of being right and trying to prove your point, it creates stress, stress in your relationship. And we know that the hormone and the neurotransmitter cortisol floods the brain when we're in stress. And what ends up shutting down in us, so we're trying to prove that we're right, that's causing stress inside of us. And what shuts down in our brain is compassion and the ability to make good choices and decisions. The amygdala, which is in the back of our brain, it's our instinctive brain, then takes over and we react The body makes literally a chemical choice about how to best protect itself. And in this case, you know, it could be protecting itself from shame, from guilt, from loss of power associated with being wrong because you feel powerless when you're trying to prove you're right. And the result is being unable to regulate our own emotions or to handle the gaps between expectations and the reality of what's going on. So I want to say that again. It makes it difficult to handle the gaps between the expectations that you have and the reality of what you're seeing right there in front of you. 
So what happens is when we're in that fight-or-flight kind of mode, when the amygdala is turned on and the cortisol is going crazy in our brain, we default to one of four responses. And that's, you know, the fight is one. We keep arguing. We keep trying to prove our point. Flight, we just go like, you know, while everyone else does this, we literally freeze. We disengage from the argument. We just shut up. We might do that. Or we might appease somebody else. We might say, okay, okay, you're right. Even though it's clear to everybody in the argument, right, that we're not really believing that you're right, but we're just doing it to stop the trauma drama that's going on. Here's where some of the addiction stuff comes in. This is so interesting, really. When you're winning your argument and you're proving that you're right, it literally floods your brain with these feel-good hormones that make you actually addicted. And those hormones are the adrenaline and dopamine, which makes you feel good. It makes you feel dominant. It makes you feel invisible. You know, it's that, see, I told you I'm right. And then you get filled with this hormone of winning, right? And so it's interesting because the suggestion in this Harvard Business Review was you fight back with oxytocin. So there's another hormone that feels just as good as adrenaline, and that's oxytocin. And oxytocin, if you know, you might remember, is the bonding hormone. It's the hormone that mothers feel when they breastfeed their children. It's the hormone that men feel mostly, and women too, when you have sex, when you have orgasms. You're bonded to someone else. And it's really, it's activated by that human connection. It opens up the networks in our brain, in our prefrontal cortex, and it increases our ability to trust and opens ourselves up to sharing. So your goal in relationships, when you're having a relationship with someone, is to spike the oxytocin in yourself and others. So there's 10 solutions. That's what I came up with, 10 different solutions to the idea of being right and how to deal with that. So one is the idea of different perspectives, like staying open, learning, mellowing out, and not being so pushy about your own idea, but rather staying open to the idea that there are other perspectives out there in the world, and that's okay. Two is learning the art of compromise. Three is seeing the big picture. So, for example, with the idea that I used earlier, the example earlier with helping with the dishwasher, you know, doing everything wrong with the dishes or folding the clothes incorrectly, really getting to the point of saying, oh, my gosh, I have help with doing the dishes. I have help with folding the laundry. I can be really appreciative and grateful for that. Four is giving the gift of listening to someone. Because, you know, everybody likes to be heard. So if you just sort of sit there and you stay open, rather than trying to get your point across, listen to what the other person has to say. Five is know that your view of the world is just that, that your map of the world is based on your past. And it's important to learn the triggers that make you see the world the way you see it. It's totally biased because it's based on your experiences. So there's no right or wrong. It's just based on your experiences. Six is validating the other perspective by 
stepping into their shoes. If you don't understand, for example, what somebody else means because it's just not making sense to you, then go to that place of curiosity and ask and try to see things my way. You can say something like, hold on, hold on. Let me see, is this what it is you're saying? And then try to say it and get clarity over whether they're saying what you think they're saying. Seven is putting the relationship first by learning relationship communication skills like listening and, like I just said earlier, stepping into the other person's shoes, accepting that everyone is different, and taking turns speaking, actually being okay with taking turns speaking that way. Number eight is, of course, forgiveness. It's going through those four steps of forgiveness that we talk about so often, not holding on to grudges or being so rigid, you know, having these right-wrong rules. It's letting things go and being more flexible, knowing that you can learn from the other person's perspective, and then, again, being grateful that they are there in your life. Number nine is seeing if you have an addiction to being right. Looking at an argument or a contradiction about something to fight about to prove you're right. So here's the thing. When you're always having arguments with someone trying to prove that you're right, basically you're sort of attracting into your life contradictions with people, you know, arguments with people. So then you can go through this whole process of proving that you're right and then getting these physical responses in your body, this adrenaline and dopamine going that is really playing more into the addiction issue. And I have a three-page article, and you can also Google it, but it's called Addicted to Being Right, and it's an article by this guy named Louis Tartaglia, T-A-R-T-A-G-L-I-A. You can email me for it. It's a short little article, but it's so good. That really talks to the idea of being addicted. Number 10 in the solution arena is going back to the idea of those oxytocin spiking behaviors. So it's a, you know, have more sex, right? More bonding, more talking, more walking, more exercise, having more fun together, and doing things that are pumping up your own oxytocin. So, you know, it could be getting on the treadmill. It could be jumping on one of those little bouncers. So, you know, doing things that brings the oxytocin that spikes it in your own life, that's going to really help you too. So those are the 10 solutions. And look at the article. I have it written down, you know, how to figure out whether or not you are addicted to being right. So I'd love you to read that too. Again, you can write to me at lori at laurierubenstein.com, and I would be glad to send that to you also. Okay, so that was this monthly meeting for September 2013. So I hope you enjoyed these forgiveness teachings. This is Lori Rubenstein, and for more information, you may go to www.laurierubenstein.com, or for more information on the topic of forgiveness, please purchase the book, Forgiveness, colon, Heal Your Past and Find the Peace You Deserve.